Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. But in the meantime, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you please turn to Mark chapter 10? The Gospel according to Mark chapter 10. And we'll be reading this morning verses 13 through 16. And if you all don't have your Bibles, it's up there on the screen. And before I continue saying any more things, um, let me give honor to Pastor and Sister Valerie and the leadership of this church for this opportunity of having me up here this morning. I do not take it lightly. In fact, it's a huge honor, you know, being here, standing here, speaking to you guys. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Amen. If you have it, say amen. Amen. If not, like I said, it's up there on the screen. The word says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for, su for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as, as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. And the title of this message would be Looking for the Overlooked. Amen. Looking for the Overlooked. Would you lift a hand with me and pray for this word? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we pray that, that, that your word gets, gets in us today, Lord. Let us have understanding of what you have for us today, Lord. And we receive everything you have for us this morning, Lord. Prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive of, of what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you all may be seated. Thank you for standing. I know it's not, it seems, seems really empty in here, but it may be because of the rain or, you know, maybe people are traveling. I, I'm not sure. Um, but we'll, we'll do our best with what we have. Amen? Amen. So now the, the, the teaching that I'll be doing this morning, uh, I, I told Brother Henderson, I was being transparent, Brother, when I said I, I cannot relate to this. And, and, and I thought that at first, right? I thought that at first because... It speaks about children, right? We're going to be speaking about children a little bit. And I'm like, well, I don't have any kids yet, you know. You know, one day God will bless us with a, with a kid. But in the meantime, I, like I, I, was, I was struggling. It, it was a bit of a struggle, you know, studying this word and then, you know, coming up here to deliver it. But then I realized something. At some point in my life, I've been a child. So in that part, I can't relate. And then as I dug more into the to teaching, I was like, this has nothing to do with children at all. So I thought I was going to come here to pretty much parent you guys on how to be a parent. But I'm glad I'm not doing that. <laughs> Amen? I'm glad I'm not doing that. So the title, like I says, it says, Looking for the Overlooked, right? Because in the, in the text that we read this morning, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it speaks of of, of, a, of, a, of an event that happened while Jesus was teaching the multitudes or talking, right? They brought forth to him children, right? And the disciples saw that, and they said, stop what you're doing. Don't bring these children unto Jesus. Can't you see he's busy? You know, he's talking. But then Jesus says he was displeased, right? That's the only time that, is, that it speaks like that of Jesus being displeased in, in the Bible. I, I don't see any other instance in, in the Bible, where Jesus was displeased, he may have been upset about something, not upset, but, you know, he may have not agreed with something in the past, but never to the point where he's displeased on the behavior from, the, from his, his um, uh, disciples. And, and, and uh, the English Standard Version uh, says that he was indignant. He was indignant. He was, you know, that word there, it's, it's, a, little, it's, it's a little strong, you know. He, he was indignant of the action that was happening because they were bringing these kids forward to him. The New Living Translation says plainly he was angry. Jesus was angry. Like, why are you stopping these parents from bringing these kids to me? You know, these children, their children to me. 
you know, if, 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 if I would have been in his shoes, I would have been like, you know, let somebody do that to you, you know? I, I, I would have, yeah, I, I, I cannot even imagine. I, I don't have kids yet, and I can imagine the parents' reactions. You know, it, it doesn't say how the parents reacted, but we can assume that they acted, you know, a little bit strange, you know, about what was going on. Now, like I said, I'll be teaching about looking for the overlooked, right? And there are two meanings to the word overlook, right? I, I looked it up in the dictionary, and the overlook, the first meaning says, fail to notice something, right? Fail to notice something. And like I said, so keep in mind that I have two meanings for this word, and I'll use a, I'll, I'll use a second meaning in the end, right? And you probably already know what it is because it's in the word. <laughs> but um, like I said, the, the, the first definition is to fail to notice something, right? So children are often overlooked, right? So all of the people in the world who, I mean, of all the people in the world that are overlooked, often children are near the top of the list. Why? Because they're children, you know, they're not adults, and whatever they say, a lot of times we don't really care for, right? And that's, that's just how it is. They are not wage earners or heads of households, right? They're just children. They are small in stature and do not often understand or communicate their needs effectively, how many have, have you guys have kids just come up to you and you stare at you? I just stare back. I'm like, staring contest. You know? <laughs> but no, I mean, children don't really do a good job, you know, telling you exactly what they need. A lot of times what they need already happened, you know. Like, I, 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 I watched over children before, and, you know, especially children that are potty trained, and they're in that stage where, you know, you still need to assist them to the bathroom, and then they tell you, oh, I already did my business. You know, and you're like, well, that doesn't work, right? You should have told me before you did your business, so that way, you know, we wouldn't be in the situation in which we're in right now. But they're not, they do not communicate effectively. Any parents can testify? Yeah. I'm not there yet, so pray for me, all right? Pray for me. So children aren't usually the ones who are overlooked. One may be overlooked by many reasons, right? Um, usually leading to the same concept, that, and that is that the people who are often overlooked don't meet the criteria or requirements to be part of something unique. How many of you all have found yourselves overlooked, right? We talked about children being overlooked, but now we can make that personal and say, well, you know, we have been overlooked. At least I have, you know, at least I can testify to that. And, and, and as many of you guys, you know, many of you may have been overlooked because you probably didn't meet the criteria or the requirements to be part of something unique, right? You may have found yourself being overlooked at some point in your life, so, like I said, not meeting the requirements or the criteria. I just repeated that twice. I'm sorry. But like I said, I, you know, to be overlooked, meaning that, that out of all the people that they, they choose, they don't look at you. <laughs> they don't look at you. They don't consider you. They're like, you know, Eric who, <laughs> you know? They're, they're, they're not going to take you into consideration. Why? Because you're being overlooked. And, 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 the, and the, the criteria you're not meeting or the requirements that you're not meeting do not align to whatever it is that, that they need from you. For example, if you apply for a job and, and they ask for a master's degree in, you know, in technology or whatever, you're not going to get the job if you don't meet the criteria. You're going to be overlooked. If you put on there, you know, if you only finished high school and have some years of college but don't have a master's degree in engineering, they're going to put your application to a side. You're going to be overlooked, right? If you're not the fast runner, you know, when they pick the team for, you know, the softball game, they're, they're going to, the team captains are going to overlook you and they're like, well, who else is it playing? <laughs> Any volunteers? Meanwhile, you're standing right there just waiting to be called on. I've been there. <laughs> You know, I've been there. I've, I've, I've been there so many times. But then I've been on the other end where I overlook people when I'm the team captain. And I'll say, well, you know, <laughs> anybody else playing? You know, but I'm glad, right? I'm glad today that we serve a God who looks beyond all of that and still welcomes us to his presence. He's look, he, over, he overlooks what we can give him, and he still welcomes us into his presence. And that's what I love about God. While others overlook, God doesn't overlook. Amen? So there's a, a, a commentary here that was given about the life of Joseph, right? And, and uh, how many remember the, the teaching we did about Joseph? I, I think I did two of those. You know, yeah, we, we, we did a couple of that. So, so it says, Joseph sat on, on a crude bench within the walls of an ancient Egyptian prison. Deep in thought, he tried to make sense out of a situation. What had gone wrong, he asked himself. Did he take a wrong turn? Why had God let this happen to him? That's probably what he was asking himself 
as he was sitting in that prison. Because as you know, he shouldn't have been there, right? From his youth, Joseph had been a strong believer in God, right? We know that from what the Bible says. He believed in God always since his youth. He had experienced dreams that were inspired by God, which he was convinced that these dreams were God-given. He knew that these dreams were given by God. But then with blow after blow, his life had been reduced to living as a societal outcast in a foreign land. All that changed really fast, right? Joseph's mind flashed back to the traumatic experience of being tackled, tied up, and thrown into a cistern by his own brothers, right? That's harsh. Brothers don't do that. Well, not anymore, at least. I hope not. (laughs) He would never forget the feeling of helplessness and horror when his own brothers hauled him out of the pit and helped helped to chain him like an animal to then be sold into slavery. You can say Joseph's life just keeps getting worse and worse after this, right? You you would think it will get better, but it doesn't. The years that followed were not much kinder to Joseph, right? His new boss, his new boss's uh, promiscuous wife falsely accused him of rape after he had resisted her unwanted advances. So even, even after he resisted, she still accused him, and he still was found guilty, and he still was thrown into prison. Now he was paying for his good moral behavior while she continued to live a normal life of luxury. Finally, Joseph's luck seemed to change when God gave him the interpretations of the dreams of two people who were very close to the most powerful man on the planet, and that is Pharaoh. And that was, you know, the baker and the butler, right, that were thrown into prison right, there, right along with Joseph. And Joseph had hoped one of them would mention his situation to someone who could help, but it had been months and he still had not heard a thing. The loneliness was suffocating. The sense of abandonment chipped away at his self-esteem. It was difficult to resist the temptation to curse God, abandon his faith, or become bitter at his brothers and the people who had locked him away. It would have been easy to him for him to say, you know what, out of everything that's happened in my life, the only person, he could have really blamed God for what was happening. He could have said, God, I've been faithful to you. I've, you know, you've given me dreams. You've, you've, I, I've lived a good life so far, but what's happened? You know, I, I would have questioned that. God, what's happening? You know, it, isn't, you know, life with you supposed to be going a little better? But sometimes it is not, right? Let me tell you that. Sometimes it is not. So it would have been easy for him to, to, to rebuke God or, 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 or to not continue to follow God in whatever thing God had. But God saw Joseph in a very different light. God saw a young man who was learning to trust. God saw a leader whose character was being developed. God saw the man who would preserve his chosen people. Amen. God saw that, right? Anybody glad that God doesn't see our past failures? That God doesn't see what we see? That God doesn't see everything we've been through, but he sees into the future and what we could possibly be in him. We may see ourselves and only see failures and our messed up past, but in God, we can have a a prosperous future and the blessings of the Lord. Amen? We must be willing to allow his will to lead our lives in order to receive what God has for us. Right? We must be willing to allow his will to lead our lives in order to receive what God has for us. Right? And and, and this is just like, like, you know, a, a thought that I had. You know, just God will not force himself you know, to, to, to force you to do something, right? God will not force his will on, on you. You must respond to his will. You must submit to his will, right? And, and this is very encouraging, but why aren't all partaking of the promises of God, right? Because he's not going to force it on, it on everybody. Many people will decide not to follow God ever in their lives or, or maybe not in the time or the opportunity that God gives them. And they may come to God maybe a, later, a, a little bit later on in life, Right, but, but the book of Revelations, chapter 3 and verse 20, says it this way. Uh, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right, If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to, into him and, and have supper with him and he with me. I will commune with him. I will, I, I will be with him. Right, And we'll be together. Jesus is knocking on some doors, right? But not everybody opens. Right? And, and the reason why people don't open the door it's because sometimes they're not expecting somebody to come to their door, right? When you're sitting home alone, you know, doing whatever you're doing, and the door not, and, and you know, your ring, ring bell goes off or somebody knocks on the door, and you're not expecting somebody, you may not even open the door, right? You may peek and see who, who, who it is, you know, but if, but, if, but if you're not welcoming anybody in your house, you may not open the door at all. But when you're expecting somebody, 
when you know somebody's coming and you hear that knock, you're more eager to run to the, a, a lot of times when, when I know people are coming over, I'm standing at the door. I'm literally standing at the door. And, and, and that's how it must be with God because God is on his way. Right, God is on his way to your life, especially in the situations that seem to be bad. God is always on his way. So you must always be willing to open the door when God begins to knock. In the text we read this morning, uh, Mark 10 and 13 says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Right, the English Standard Version uh, says it a, a, a little bit differently. It says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Now, there's a, a bit of a difference here in, into uh, what these two versions say. The King James says it loud and clear, young children to him, right? So we can speculate that the children that were coming, uh, being brought to Jesus were of a young age, probably uh, toddlers, uh, up to five years old. Says they were children, young children. You know, you're not going to think of a teenager being brought to Jesus. You know, nowadays you can't get teenagers to do things, right? Let alone, you know, probably even... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to step over that line. All right, let me just <laughs> stay right there. Because I've been a teenager before, and I know you'll have teenagers too, so let me not, um, yeah, encourage anything. But we can speculate, right, that these children that were brought to Jesus were young. Amen? And then the disciples were upset when the parents brought their kids, right? Like, that's something bad to do, right? And, and, and we've all heard the saying, children are to be seen but not heard. <laughs> Somebody say amen. They are to be seen, not heard. Sometimes even in church. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Kids are kids. So mainly having to do with the fact that most children don't know when a situation requires silence, right? They can't read a room like adults can, right? Children are going to be children, right? They're going to come in. They're, they're not going to be able to read the room and be like, well, everybody's quiet. Let me be quiet. It seems like at the most quiet moments, that's when they decide, well, I need to, I need to make a growl and some noises right now. Let, let, me, let me break the silence. <laughs> but... You know, that, that's, that's children. And many of us remember as a child not feeling as important to those, as those who were older than us, right? And, and anybody been there when you were a kid? You, you, you don't feel as important, uh, you know, especially if you're the, a younger, if you have older siblings. It seems like your parents always went up to them and not you, and their opinion matter and not yours. I, 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 can attest, I can attest to that, right? But, you know, it is what it is. So some of us remember sitting at the kids' table at family dinners or being shooed outside when the adults were ready to talk about important matters, right? Anybody remember that? They're like, well, why don't you and your siblings come play outside? And then you could see through the window your parents throwing stuff around. Not, not to that extent. <laughs> not to that extent. Not to that extent. Right. So now, while it can be conceded uh, that certain situations call for grown-ups, right, because children may not have yet developed certain abilities or skills, adults uh, should be careful not to inadvertently communicate to children that they are unimportant. Even the disciples of Jesus made that mistake, right? So, so what I was trying to say here is that children are important, and you have to let them know that they're important. Right, there, be, there may be times where children may not be needed in a situation, especially when, you know, speaking of certain matters, but they still need to be treated as important, right? And, and like I said, uh, in, in Mark 10 and 13, it tells us, and they brought uh, the young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. So, so it, it's not saying that, that the disciples rebuked the children. They were rebuking the parents who brought the children, right? So, so, so let's make that clear. The disciples were not being mean to the children. They were being mean to the parents of the children, you know, saying, have you, ever, have you any consideration? Jesus is teaching right now. Don't bring your children up right now. But when reading the account, our hearts go out to the children who were being shooed away from the presence of Jesus as they were only following the parents' desire, and that is to get closer to Jesus. That's what parents wanted to do. They wanted to bring their kids closer to Jesus, as any parent should, amen? They wanted their kids to have a touch from Jesus, amen? They wanted their kids to experience Jesus in a closer, uh, in a closer sense, right? And it is Jewish uh, tradition for the parents to bring the children to the rabbi in order for them to receive uh, a blessing. So they weren't doing anything inherently wrong, but the disciples believed it was wrong timing due to the fact that Jesus was in the middle of speaking and ministering. Now, I, I grew up in a Catholic church, and I remember back in Mexico when we were in, in, in Mass, is what they call the service. Um, it, it, it'll be a time of Mass where everybody, I think they did some type of ritual, and then the kids will run up to the, to the priest, and the priest would just 
touch every single one of them. Sometimes the priest was happy to do it. Sometimes he could feel a little more force on the tap, you know. But, um, like, you know, go on with that. <laughs> but but it, it is in Hispanic tradition that, um, or at least in Catholic Hispanic tradition, that the priest is seen as a higher authority even than the parents. So if, you're, if, you're, if the priest wants to discipline your kids, and that, you know, and that in the, the tradition where I'm from, he's more than welcome to, and he's encouraged to. So uh, I'm really glad we live in a different world. Amen. Now, I, I, never, got, I, I never got to be, you know, uh, disciplined by a priest, but I can only imagine how it would have been. You know, that tab already hurt a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. But, like I said, Jesus was in the middle of ministering, right? Jesus was in the middle of speaking, and, 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 and it tells us what he was talking about a couple of verses before our focus verse. And, and if, if you go to Mark chapter 10 and you go up a few verses, uh, verse 11 and 12, it says what Jesus was uh, speaking about. He said, and he said unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And it was at this point where the parents were bringing the children up to Jesus. Now, is that appropriate? Uh, not really, right? Jesus is saying, well, you know, marriage this, marriage that, and he's my kid, you know. But now, I, I, I could get deep in this because this is what, 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 what the Spirit was revealing to me, and, and it's true, right? Whenever matters of divorce and parenthood come, all these children are always involved. Amen? And, and I can go really, really deep into this, but I'm not going to deep. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to scratch the surface. I'm just going to say that, that, that far. Because I've experienced uh, parents' divorce, and like I said, kids always suffer, right? And, and, and it was at this point, I believe, that, that the children need to get closer to Jesus. That's why, you know, so it has some correlation there. But, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into that because that's not what I'm focusing on right now. What I'm focusing on is that these parents brought these kids at a, at a time that it was not probably the best to bring their kids up to Jesus, especially when he's talking about, you know, uh, committing adultery. <laughs> you know, I don't think kids need to hear that word, let alone know what it means, because, you know, kids be asking, what does that word mean? You know, and you're like, well, you'll <laughs> ask your Sunday school teacher, you know. <laughs> They'll explain that to you, you know. You know, as parents, you know, they, they, they may put that weight on the on Sunday school teachers, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, so like I said, clearly Jesus was addressing uh, the Pharisees and the multitude on this topic, which seems to be that only grown-ups would understand, right? Only he was pretty much speaking to the grown-ups, and then that's when the parents decided to bring up the kids. So maybe the disciples were trying to be sensitive and not let the kids in on these issues, but we can only speculate that, right? Probably, you know, we can look at it better and say, well, the disciples were doing the right thing, you know, um, you know, the kids were coming in, and we didn't want the kids to hear any of that. So that's why we didn't, you know, we told the parents not to bring the kids just yet. But, you know, like I said, we can only speculate that because the Bible doesn't give any clear indication as to why the disciples would not allow or why they would rebuke the parents from bringing their children forward to approach Jesus. Now, it could be confusing mainly because this seems to be a very harmless tradition, right? Like I said, it was tradition for them to bring their kids up to the rabbi so the rabbi would touch them and say a blessing over them. And, you know, just go on about your day. But when I did a little bit of research, it, it says that they would only bring the kids to the rabbis when the rabbis were not speaking, when they were just probably walking around in the streets or they were at the temple or, you know, doing what, you know, going about their business, but not really addressing a crowd in this case, which people, <clears throat> I mean, which Jesus was doing. He was addressing the crowd and the Pharisees. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> but then the children, you know, it, it's, it's it makes it seem like the children got in their way, right? And to be honest, as adults, it is easy to relate to the disciples' feelings, right? When we have adult projects to do, it can seem like children are obstacles or impediments. Have you all tried to do a, a task at your house and you have children running around? Or you're doing something very delicate that does not require children yelling and running around and throwing stuff at you? I, I can only say that because I've been a kid and I've gotten on my parents' nerves about doing things in the wrong at the wrong time right I, I remember my dad was fixing a car and he would tell me hold the light right there <laughs> and I'll start shining the light at other things like oh that's a neat hose you know well what does that wire do and he's like shine the light back over here you know so but that's that's just me <laughs> you know so like I said when we have adult projects to do it can seem like children are obstacles or impediments you know if, if you try to 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 exercise run and your kids are trying to get between your legs 
that's it's gonna end up badly. You know, I've, I've like I said, I've watched uh, over a lot of kids, and and you know, I, 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 usually my mom did, did it. You know, and I'll be in the house trying to do homework, and that's when I decided to play catch. And you know, I had a story, sorry, I had a story where I was I was drinking. You know, I was doing my uh, like a final. I had a stack of papers like already completed, and it, they knocked over a glass of. Uh, I think I was drinking soda or whatever, and uh, it just ruined my paperwork, and I had to reprint everything again. And at that time, I didn't have a printer, so I had to go to the library and pay, I think it was five cents per, per, per page. So, yeah, I had to pay again. And, I, you know, so, like I said, I can, really, I can really relate to this, you know, about how us as adults, we can, we can see children as obstacles or impediments, right? Uh, they have less experience than adults, right? That's, that's true. You know, they're children. They're, they have a childlike mentality. They have less experience than us adults. Uh, their skills, I said us adults, like, <laughs> well, yeah, us adults. Their skills are limited, as is their attention span. And often, they do not grasp the importance of the matter at hand, right? It is tempting to just ask them to move out of our way so we can get things done. The truth is, training and, training and including children in our lives is time-consuming and a lot of work, Right? Parents, amen. It is inconvenient and requires a great deal of patience, which some parents sometimes do not have. You know, but once children are properly trained and become part of productive society, they will carry their own weight and then some, right? That's something we all can attest to, right? And by doing this, not only would it benefit the parents, but it, also, but it would also benefit the children and everyone else who interacts with that child. Have you ever spoken with a kid that you know their parents put time and effort into their lives and you say, well, this kid, this kid is smart. You know, this kid, you know, high five kid, you know. Because even Proverbs says it this way, right? Proverbs 22 and 6, very famous. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Right? And it goes deep, deep, deep. You know, like I said, I can go deep in this. So train up a child. What it's saying, train up, just teach him. When you're training to do something, you do it repetitively, repetitively, right? You do it time and time again, and every time it gets better, right? So, so, so that's what it's saying here. Train up a child. Do it every day. Do it consistently. Get better at it. When you're training in sports, you want to get better. You want to see results. So you're going to push harder every time. So it's not going to get easier with kids, I assume. It's only going to get a little harder, right? But it says train up a child in the way he should go. Now, here's specifying. Specifying, if you want your kids to go the right way, right, and that is, you know, I am the way, the truth, right? Jesus, if you want them to go to Jesus, you must train them in that way, in that sense. Bringing them to church, reading the Bible with them, you know, doing a Bible study with them. You know, I, 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 I wished my parents would have done that with me. And it may sound harsh on them, but that is just the truth. I wish my parents would have taking me to a church, even if it was Catholic, to hear the word of God, you know, do Bible studies and all that. And, but I, I didn't have that. And, and, and many, many probably didn't have that either, so I, I can't be the only one saying this. And, and, and in contrast, you, you ought to be grateful if your parents did that, if your parents invested time in your growth, you know, had, had time for you, especially in your spiritual growth, especially in, in, in something that is very important that could decide your whole life, your whole salvation, right? So train up a child in the way, the only way, it says, he should go. And when, they're, when it's old, he will not depart from it, right? Because time passes. And, it, and if those things are embedded in their hearts and their minds, they will not depart from it. You know, what's good is good. What's bad is bad, right? So the good thing, they will not depart from, right? Because I, I remember, um, uh, I believe Pastor said this, this point about, about traveling. If you put, you know, your, 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 your point of travel, like to where you're going, uh, your destiny, if you shift it even one degree, you're going to end up apart, right? So train him up if the way he should go, that'll be the right way because even if it's a little off, in, in the long run, it's going to be very, very separated, right? So this can be done in every aspect of the child's life, including in church, right? You can train up a kid in, in every aspect of their life, but it, it, importantly, we're speaking about doing it in church, amen? So disciples were so focused on their goals that they failed to see the long-term picture, right? This is an error that we all can make. And instead of using every aspect in the child's life to train them up in the right way, we can miss out on the opportunity of taking advantage of the given time and circumstance that could be used to train a child to do and be better. We can miss out on that, right? Time doesn't stop for us. You know, so, so like I said, take advantage of every opportunity to train up your kid 
in righteousness. Amen? So some see children as unimportant, right? Uh, many many uh, traditions, you know, many other cultures see children as just what they are, children, right? And they pay no attention to them. They don't talk to them, do any of that. Um, and, 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 and that's just wrong. That's just bad. But like I said, some people seem unimportant, right? Since adults can mistakenly see children as unimportant, children often internalize the message and consider them, themselves unimportant. So in, a, in one way or another, you're hindering their growth in some way, right, if you don't see them as important, right? It is like the person standing on the playground waiting to be picked for a team. And I think I already used that example, right? He nervously watches as the team captains are down to choosing their last few teammates and trying to avoid choosing the least skilled athlete for their team. If you have ever been the untalented last pick, you know the feeling of humiliation. It's very humiliating being the last one. You know, or when they, like I said, when they ask for more volunteers because they don't want to pick you, right? So since adults can mistakenly see children as unimportant, children often internalize that message and they consider themselves as unimportant, right? And, 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 and being transparent, I've been in that situation. Not the, the whole team captain choosing stuff, but, but you know, I, I grew up, you know, and, and I've told people, and I'm being very transparent right now, so please bear with me. I, I've, I've spent sometimes weeks not even, you know, growing up, speaking with my dad, you know, not, not a word, you know, and, and, and the few words I got were not very encouraging, but that's just me, you know, I'm not trying to, for you all to feel some kind of way from me, but, 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 but I can relate to this, right, feeling unimportant because nobody really cares about you, they don't put the attention that, that, that you, I, I don't want to say deserve, but that you need, right, so, like I said, it is like standing on the playground waiting to be picked for a team. You watch as the team captains are down to choosing their last few teammates, trying to avoid choosing the least skilled athlete for their team. And if you've ever been there, like I said, you know the humiliation. I think I put that twice. I'm sorry. Um, but God is not like us, right? God does not see our talents. He does not see what we can bring, right? He is not, well, like, I'm going to pick the, the, the one that prayed more this morning, you know, and I'm going to. No, he, he picks he picks all of us, right? He sees value in people we sometimes cannot see, right? God sees a value in people that we just don't see. God is, is like the professional scout who looks past the fluff and finds the athlete who has both talent and discipline. God is like the antique dealer who scratches through the layers of paint and assesses the value or potential of an item based on its structure or the material from it, which it was made. He sees what we're made of. He sees our suffering. He sees what we've been through, and yet he decides to use us. And sometimes that comes to our, to our advantage. Why? Because we, we, we've already been through situations like that, and he can only, only make us stronger from there on. Amen? So, like I said, our world seems to overlook people with the best hearts and greatest character. Society seems to be attracted to the, to the noisy, talented, and pushy people. You see that every day in, you know, Hollywood. You know, the person that can bring the most attention to themselves is the ones that, that are chosen. And the more obnoxious ones, you know, the most, most I would say, funny-looking ones are the ones that, that, you know, are chosen, right? But a good, a good pastor, teacher, or parent will look past a talent or personality and see the value of a sincere soul like God does. Amen? And Jesus sees everybody as important. He saw everybody as important. Jesus went out of his way to reach those who had been overlooked. He changed his itinerary to visit a well where he ministered to a, uh, to a Samaritan woman who had been married five times. We, we all know that story, right? It is found in John chapter, uh, chapter 4. And the result was that she later became an effective witness, right? After she had an encounter with Jesus, she went and witnessed what Jesus had done in her life. Jesus risked his reputation by eating with uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Many would, see, would have seen that as not normal, but Jesus did it anyways. Right, because he knew that there was something greater for Zacchaeus in his house. His whole house was blessed in the end. Jesus touched and healed unclean lepers and made a special trip to a man so mentally unstable that he lived in a graveyard. We all know that story. And, and all these people had something in common, and that is that they were overlooked by society. Right? Nobody would talk to lepers. Nobody would even get close to them. They were overlooked. When they looked around, they saw a leper. They just saw right through him. Like he didn't exist, right? When, uh, and, and, and the man that, that was uh, uh, full of spirits and, and lived in the graveyard, the Bible says that he would be running the streets naked, screaming. People would oversee that. They're like, well, that's just a crazy guy, right? But Jesus didn't see that. 
Jesus did not see that. Jesus saw a need, and he went and met that need, and he took care of that man. And, 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 and the Bible says that he went through a whole storm just to get to this guy. Because while he was traveling in the Sea of Galilee, a big storm arose so much that the disciples had to wake him up and say, hey, you know, we need your help. But he calmed the winds, right? He calmed the storm. He calmed the waters. And he met the need of one man. He did all that just to get to one man. So imagine what, God, what Jesus has done to get to us. All he's gone through to get to us. All we've gone through for an opportunity to, be, to, to get to him. Amen? So... Like I said, all these people had something in common, and that's, that is that they were overlooked by society, right? Jesus was living out the, the psalmist, uh, I mean, what the psalmist described. So in Psalms uh, 146, verses 5 and 9, uh, David says it this way, Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that there is in, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looses the prisoners, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, the Lord raises them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the, the righteous, the, the Lord uh, preserveth the strangers, he re relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. What it's pretty much saying, he transforms lives. That's what he came to do. He came, he came to set us free. He came to open our eyes. He came to, to, to preserve us. So that way we can be with him. So we must be glad that God is for us. Amen? And, and we must choose, like I said, to see others the way Jesus sees. Right? If, if, if you haven't done so, and I'm sure everybody here has, but start praying that. Lord Jesus, let me feel what they feel. You know, let me see them how you see them. Because a lot of times, and I'll be honest, a lot of times we, we see, we overlook people, right, because, you know, of, of what we see, because that's only what we can see. But Jesus sees more, right? So we got to pray, look, I, I, I don't want to see what I see right now. I want to see them how you see them, Jesus, and that is with love and compassion. Amen? Our job is to see people through the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus began his ministry, he picked what some scholars believe to be a group of teenage boys from fishing villages to help him change the world. Go figure. He chose fishermen to go save the world, to go, you know, be his disciples, right? N nobody would have thought that, right? Uh, so, 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 so therefore, we should not discount the possibility of him using young, uncultured, or unexperienced to do his work, right? We should not be surprised when we see somebody that you would never think could, could make it in, in, in the kingdom of God, make it, right? I can testify to that. So Jesus did not build his ministry by headhunting. He did not go to Jerusalem or Rome in search of talent. He did not scout the great schools or exclusive families of his day to ensure his team would succeed. But rather, he chose good hearts and sincere people. He trained them to be world changers. Then, as he left the earth, he encouraged his followers to continue in the same manner. Right? That's what he did. He did not come looking for the best of the best. He chose the tax collectors, the fishermen, right? He chose, he chose people that society would have overlooked, but Jesus chose them, amen? And this is very encouraging, like I said earlier, but why aren't all partaking of the promises, right? Because he's knocking on the door and not many are answering. Not many are opening the door. So we got to keep in mind when, when Jesus touches your, not touches, knocks on your door, you know, you, you better be ready to open, right? God loves to bless those whom others overlook, especially children, Right? And, and we read, like I said, in, in, in the book of Mark 14 and 16 from when we got it. Uh, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. You know, beginning in verse 14, Mark 10. Um, when Jesus saw it, when Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, he was very much displeased. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Right? Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them, right? So Jesus' compassion was especially evident by the way he treated the children, right? He welcomed them. He, he said, well, this is how the kingdom of God is going to be with his children. So in a way, he kind of lifted their spirits up a little bit, right? He, he used them as an example, as a good example. And then he touched them. Uh, he, he took them up by the arms, touched them, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Right, when Jesus ministered to the children, he was planting seeds and giving young souls an opportunity to be a part of his eternal kingdom. 
we would be wise to minister as Jesus did, he was willing to and ready to minister to anyone and everyone, right? He broke racial barriers, gender barriers, class barriers, and age barriers. He loved everyone, right? That's, that's who Jesus is. He is love, and he loves everyone. And to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Therefore, we must always try to be more like him and less like the world. We, we must try to be more loving and compassionate towards others. Just like children are born without any knowledge of racial barriers, class, or any evil worldly perspectives, right? And, and that's why he compared it. This is how the kingdom of God is going to be. Full of people that, 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 that have no knowledge of racial barriers, no knowledge of, of, of class division, or any evil or worldly perspectives. Because that's, that's who he's looking for. And that's, those are the ones that will inherit the kingdom of God. Those that don't see what everybody else sees, what the world sees, but those that see like Jesus sees. Amen. Through the lens of God. Amen. So that is why we must be born again and let our old sinful nature die. Because when we are born again, we become children of God. We are, like, we are childlike and we've got to have a childlike attitude and faith in God. Amen. We must become like little children. So in our story, Jesus warned that if we do not receive the kingdom of God as a, as a little child, we will not get in. Simple as that, right? There's no negotiations. Children tend to be more trusting and less uh, uh, opinionated than adults. You tell a child to go do something, unless they're a little sassy, they'll go do it, right? But, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll go do it. Uh, and they are more often willing to jump in and try something new, right? Kids will do anything. I've seen kids jump off bunk beds, and I'm like, whoa. I would break my back, you know. <laughs> they seem to be a little more open-minded when it comes to believing in the miraculous, amen. We, we see how our kids move, moves, amen. And um, so adults learn how to curve many of these attributes, right. We tend to hide a little bit sometimes. And yes, sometimes caution is in order, but when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we must risk trusting and hoping, amen. As we are careful not to overlook others, we should pause to consider that God does not overlook us for fails to notice us, or fails to notice us, amen. Um, God, may, God may be calling some of us who are studying this passage today to climb into his arms and let him love us, knowing how gracious Jesus was to the outcast, the overlooked, and to the children. We can have confidence he wants to minister to us as well. So in order to make sure we do, we, we do not hold God's arm's length and forfeit what he has for us, we must deliberately approach him like a trusting child. Has a child ever come up to you with their hands up? That's how we must approach him, right? Hands up, praising him, right? That, that, but that's an imagery that he gives us. But then kids come to you because they trust you, you know? Kids, when you give them the arm, they, they, they come to you. Why? Because they have that trust, right? And that's how, we must come, that's how we must come to God, trusting him, trusting that he has the best for us because, you know, a good parent will never have bad things for their kids, right? So we know that our Heavenly Father is not going to have bad things for us. Amen? So Jesus blesses the kids, and he, you know, he, he takes a hold of them and blesses them. Uh, the little children who approached Jesus had the unique privilege of having God in the flesh put his hands on them and impart blessings. That's something great. I mean, to have Jesus in the flesh physically touch you, you know, and impart blessings into your life. What an incredible experience that must have been. Jesus still does this today. Anybody know that? Jesus still does this today. He uses his body, which is the church, to do so, right? He uses us as a church body to bless people, to touch other people, right? God blesses people when we allow him to let faith, healing, and power flow through us to those for whom we pray and on whom we lay hands for or hands on, right? Churches that operate in apostolic authority bless those who come to their venues, People who are privileged to grow up in the church learn at a young age to pray, to teach, and to lay hands on to the sick, right? We should all be forever grateful for parents, friends, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, pastors, and, and Bible school instructors who have put their hands on our heads and prayed for us throughout the years, amen? They were being intentional, intentional not to overlook anyone. That's what we do here, right? We, we don't overlook anybody, right? We're, we're a family. We're one great big body. And anybody that comes can experience Jesus, amen? That's our goal. That should be our goal. And I am thankful that I was able to come to church like living hope and experience God, amen? Experience God, community, growth, and ministry. I am glad that, that I came to a church like this because there's no other place I'd rather be. There's no other place I'd rather be. I love this church. And I, I love what... what, what what this church means to me. You know, it, it means a lot to me. 
And I'm trying not to. But Jesus came to minister and serve, and that's what we must do as well, right? People others felt were uh, unimportant as believers, right, who know Christ and his love on a personal basis. We have, we have the wonderful opportunity to minister to people who feel unimportant and overlooked. We have that opportunity to do that. We can do what Jesus did and, and go to the overlooked, go to the ones that, that are not being picked by the others, right? We go to the ones that nobody gives them the time of day. We can speak faith into their lives. We can train those who have a heart to minister, and we can comfort those who are struggling. We should consider it a privilege and a blessing to minister like Jesus did. But to do so, first, we must be sensitive to the plight of those around us. We must be sensitive to everybody around us, just like Jesus was. He was sensitive to everybody else that was around him, right? Uh, and we must decide, right, in, in our hearts and in our minds that I will bless and serve those who others overlook, right? Go to the one that is overlooked. Go to the one that, 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 is, that is not, you know, being picked, per se, right, for the team. So, so, so let's take a quick look at Jesus' mission statement, right? So, so what he says uh, when he quotes the, the, the book of Isaiah, right? Uh, well, in the synagogue of his hometown, Jesus read the passage from Isaiah, and that's Isaiah 61, 1 and 3. Then declared that he was being fulfilled through him. And this is how he summarized uh, Isaiah 61, 1 and 3. It says, the spirit of the, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That is what Jesus came to do, right? And, and, and this is just an example that Jesus has given us. So, 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 so just as Jesus came to do this, if we're trying to be like Jesus, we must strive to do these things that are here, right? Not so much to this full potential, but we all have a potential to, of, 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 of proclaiming the truth of God to somebody. We have the potential of praying somebody through a hard situation to get them out of prison, per se, right? We have the, the potential to, 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 to use the, the, the spirit of God to use us to give them that joy in the middle of their morning. We have the potential to do that. Each of us who, who will choose to embrace Jesus' mission will experience the abundant life he promised as he uses us to bless the lives of those who are forgotten and overlooked. Would you stand to your feet? I'm getting ready to conclude. And I have a long conclusion, so y'all bear with me. I was standing here more longer than you. So as I said in the beginning, the word overlooked stands for fail to notice, right? When you overlook something, you fail to notice it. We sometimes overlook and fail to notice certain people because of their age, race, level of education, wealth, status, etc. Let's be honest. <laughs> We've all done this. You know, I've, I haven't been perfect all my life, nor, nor I'm saying I'm perfect. I'm, in, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> and sometimes we have been overlooked by our age, right? We all have. Uh, our, our age, our race, right? Our level of education, wealth, and status. I grew up in a 90-some percent, um, not my, you know, race school. So I stuck, uh, I was sticking out like a sore thumb, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, so I would stick out. So, so I know what it is to be overlooked, right? By, in, in a racial way, right? Not, not, not so harsh like you would think. But, you know, level of education, wealth status, we've all been overlooked. N not all reasons at once, but some of those, right? But in the eyes of Jesus, none of that matters. Amen? He doesn't see us for what we are. He sees us for what we can be. He sees our potential and he sees our hearts. If your heart is not aligned with God's, today is a day that can change. You can align your heart with God. He desires for us to be his children. And just as children, we must have childlike faith. No matter what is happening around me, I will only trust in him, right? I will only and always trust in him. Proverbs 3 and 5 uh, says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Right? Because our understanding, in our understanding, we may overlook people. But in God's understanding, we will not overlook anybody. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He will direct us if we trust in him. 
When we have childlike mentality, it is easy to trust in him and allow him to direct our paths. It is much easier when we trust them, right? Children don't care where you take them as long as, you, as, long as they know that you're with them. They don't care. They'll go along. That's how, my, that's how our trust must be. No matter where God takes us, we must be. And today God is with us, and we trust that his ways are better than our ways, and his plans exceed our plans. And we must trust him like children trust their parents. Right? We've all been children. We've all trusted our parents. Right? And lastly, there's another definition for the word overlook. And that is to have a view from above. I'm going to let that sink in. To overlook is to have a view from above. Because you see, we can only see as far as our eyes can see. When, when you look around you in a place that has hills or mountains, that's all you see. When you're surrounded by mountains or hills, that's all you see. But we know that hills and mountains are used in a biblical sense to represent problems or circumstances that seem to be hard. And yes, today we might find ourselves surrounded by mountains or problems and circumstances. But God is overlooking us, right? He is seeing us from above. And he sees, our, he sees past our problems and circumstances in which we might be in right now. When we, when we may be overlooked by the world or when the world fails to notice us, God is overlooking us. He has a view from above. His ways are better than our ways. Psalms 121 says it better this way. I will lift mine eyes up unto the hills from where is my help come, from, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. I will see past the mountains. I will see past the hills. I will see past my problems. And I will seek the Lord. Will you lift your hand and pray with me? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.